so the idea behind this podcast, and we're, we're calling it the in-between podcast because it's in-between sermons. Wow. So it's deep. <laughs> it's deep, dude. It's really deep, you know? And so, I mean, the idea is just like, like I was telling you, you know, on the side is just that there's things that we want to talk about sometimes that I want to talk about um, that I don't get to go in depth on in the Sunday morning. And um, I thought, you know, maybe it'd be helpful for, for people just to go deeper. There's always someone that wants to go deeper on something. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of the thought process between what we're up to. Uh, so thanks for Thanks for coming. This is uh, this is Glenn Power. Like you work for Radiant Church. Like what would you? What's yeah. Your, what's your position? Yeah. So, so one day I I sent an email to somebody, and at the bottom of the email it said Glenn Power Bible Instructor, and that's when I found out what my title was. <laughs> so I don't know if Mike Young made that, <laughs> but apparently that, that seems to fit, my, right? Yeah. So apparently my position is Bible yeah. Instructor here yeah. at Radiant. Well, I mean that's why. I, Besides just being a friend, like that's why I have you here today is so you could wear the Bible instructor hat with us cool. today. Yeah. Um, love it. And I, I kind of, I'm prepared to kind of, to ask you some questions, but the, the whole thing that we've been talking about, the reason I brought you in was because we want to talk about Matthew 24 and, uh, and really maybe we'll get into some of 25, um, but Jesus sermon on signs, you know, his sermon, uh, at the end of the book of Matthew. I mean, just in general, Glenn, like what's your, what's kind of your relationship with like signs of the end of times, like mm, apocalyptic yeah. literature, and even like, like how do you think the church should hold this type of, uh, scripture? Yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. I mean, did you read the Frank Peretti books? Are you like. You mean the Tim LaHaye book? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. The Tim, Frank Peretti. That's a whole different guy. Oh my gosh. Frank Peretti was the spiritual warfare fiction books. Yeah, totally. I read those too. Oh man. Yeah. No, I. I grew up on the left behind books yeah. and yeah. I, I was not compelled. Um, but I also wasn't super compelled by Jesus when I was in high school yeah. in general. So I wasn't uh, like a yeah. real believer. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I did come back to Jesus, I, I listened to some, some different preachers and teachers than my normal stream, Yeah. you know, that kind of that dispensational stream that I grew up in Okay. and they presented the end times as very Jesus focused and very relevant for us. Yeah. And that compelled me. Yeah. Um, And and that included the belief, sorry, if you don't want to go here, but it included the belief that we will actually be here through the great tribulation. We're not going to be raptured up beforehand, um, but we're going to be through it and we're going to be through it in, in victory and power. Yeah. And that was just such a compelling vision for me that the the church of Jesus is going to grow in maturity and character and unity to the very end. Yeah. And then Jesus comes back. Yeah. Now, so like what would you say to someone cuz I've noticed as as we tackled this uh topic as a church last Sunday, I just I I have some buddies that I meet with the Friday before and I like kind of present my sermon to them. And I just noticed as I started having more conversations um, that, you know, I was probably on the side of Christians, you know, um, that were maybe a little bit more apathetic towards end times conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed that, and maybe it's small town, rural, rural America to a certain extent, but in Exeter, it seemed like I was coming into contact with, um, with a lot more of the people who have really gone deep in the mm. apocalyptic stuff. Okay. Like, what would you say... You know, some of some of my folks have um, have been following preachers and teachers 
who have spent a lot of time connecting some of the apocalyptic dots, uh-huh. you know, like some of the stuff from Daniel, um, Book of Revelations, breaking down every sign and symbol. And, um, you know, what would you say, like, do you, you know, do you think it is that helpful? Like, what do you, what do you think is a good healthy posture to have with the end times? And, and in particular, um, the signs and the symbolism that, that yeah. we see in scripture. Yeah. Start with the Bible and just stay with the Bible for a long time. Mm. Um, cause I, there's so As much... opposed to like other literature, like authors. Yeah. I, and I, and I'm down, I've, I've done a lot of reading in the, the secondary literature of, uh, theology, um, and, and a little bit of current events yeah. that relate to the signs of the yes. times. But what I see is I see a lot of people who, who major on current events. Mm-hmm. They, they start with the current events mm-hmm. uh, and then they, right. st- they try to attach that to a yeah. verse in Revelation or a verse in Daniel. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good way to go. I, th- I think that's how you get off track from Jesus. Right. And that's a little bit of what I did grow up with is uh, there was because there was a lot of end times fervor when I was growing up, but uh, uh, not a lot of it was focused on Jesus, his return and what he's doing right. with his church. Right. And you, you have to stay centered in the scripture, like which includes the gospels and the epistles besides Daniel and Revelation. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, I felt a twinge of conviction as I approached uh, teaching on Matthew 24, because I think I realized a little bit like, man, I've almost just tried to ignore this completely, mm-hmm. which which clearly, I mean, like to the extent to which it's like, oh yeah, Jesus like had something to say about the end of times. Jesus said some things about, um, you know, the apocalypse, so to speak. Um, so I guess I probably should pay attention to that. You know, yeah. I, I probably... You know, it was a little bit like, well, that's, you got to really nerd out, collect a lot, you know, connect a lot of dots. (laughs) Felt a little bit like, did you ever see, uh, what's the Russell Crowe movie where he's, um, is it, um, there's like this scene in that movie where he's, he's like gone crazy. Oh, Siri, don't tell me that. He's gone crazy. Beautiful mind. That's what it is. I didn't see it, but I. He's like connecting all these dots to strings on this like board (laughs) and he's kind of gone crazy. But you're like, is he gone crazy? And I just didn't want to be that guy, you know? That sometimes it can feel like oh that's what gosh. people are up to. Can I just say there yeah. there are there are eighty nine chapters with the four gospels combined, talking about the first coming of Jesus. Yeah, you could throw in a few Old Testament chapters about the first coming of Jesus. There are at least a hundred and fifty chapters in the Bible mm. about the second coming of Jesus. Wow, many many scholars. Yeah. Um, they'll estimate that there are about five times more prophecies about the second coming than about yeah. the first coming. Yeah. So it is, yeah. it, again, when you're just reading through the Bible, it is, it's huge. It's not something to avoid. Yeah. Uh, and it's not something to let the weirdos on one side right, or the overly academic mm-hmm. on the other side mm-hmm. intimidate us. Uh, yeah. And to think, oh, this is not for me. I'm just a normal everyday guy. Like yeah. this is for normal everyday guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think one of the things, so like one of the main things that will kind of bristle with me a little bit is sometimes it feels like um, the experts or the, or the teachers who really emphasize the end times um, can sometimes feel to me like they're saying things like, see, this just happened. Therefore, Oh, okay. the end is near mm-hmm. or it gets like pretty it gets almost predictive 
And I feel like the one thing that's pretty clear in scripture about the end times is in this passage, verse 36, Jesus says, no one knows. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I wondered if you ever feel like that, you know, like, and is there a way to like, so I guess like if, if, the, if Jesus is clear that we're not, we're not going to know. And in fact, Jesus even says the son doesn't even know when his yeah. return will be only the father Yeah. in, in verse 36 there in, in chapter 24. So then, so if, if it's not about prediction and, and knowing the timing, mm -hmm. like what is the main thing? Like, what's the point of knowing the apocalyptic stuff? So let me backtrack. So I guess my feeling is that the more people seem to know about apocalyptic literature, the more they are into predicting when it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that feels like the thing that we're not supposed to do. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. so then what is the thing that we are supposed to do, you think, with apoc apocalyptic literature? Yeah. Like in end of time literature, like what should we be doing with that? There's so many chapters you're saying in scripture. Yeah. What's the main thing? Yeah. So I have to clarify in Matthew 24. Yeah. That's the chapter you've been mm -hmm. preaching on. Yeah. We're, in, we're in between. Yeah, that's right. Um, he does say that no one knows the day or the hour. Right. But that's at the end of a whole discourse giving signs of the times. Right. That give predictors of yeah. the end in some way or another. And so I think it's, I think it's a more balanced way to view Matthew 24 yeah. uh, is to say that Jesus gives us signs of the times to know when we're getting close. Yeah. But then he goes to the other side of the tension and says, but you can't know the day or the hour. Right. So, so there is a little, there is an element of these things will happen and we're getting close. Yeah. And, and we don't yeah. want to completely kick that out as a reaction yeah. from all the people who are obsessed with predicting right. or all the people in church history who have predicted right. dates and made fools of themselves. Right. Totally. So like, so, so that's an interesting idea because, um, essentially like what I think he's saying in 24 or, or how he's saying it is like, and we were having this conversation on the side was like through this lens of the destruction of, of the temple. Yeah. And, and so a lot of the language in 24, you're kind of like, well, is he talking about the end of the world or is he talking about the destruction of the temple? Yeah. And he seems to be kind of talking um, through that lens. What's happening in Matthew 24 is, is, seems to be like there will be a time that feels like the end of the world. That's oh, not actually the oh, end gotcha. of the world. Yeah. You see yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And in a sense, like there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Mm -hmm. Check. Happening right now. Yeah. Happened. 10 years ago, yep. generation, like, has there ever been a generation that was not experiencing wars and rumors of wars, right. famines, earthquake? So I guess what I'm trying to say is, it seems like um, part of what's happening here is Jesus is describing things that are going to be happening in their world, and yet the end of the world won't be. Yeah. It won't be the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that feels a bit like the age that we are always living in, right? So would you say that there's like, because, I mean, essentially what you're saying is that there he is giving signs for the end of the world i but I, then yeah. I think kind of what i'm pushing back on a tiny bit is yeah. like but then yeah but then in a way it's like it always feels like the end of yes. the world you know yeah that's so, so good so what do you think about that yeah it's so good so fair um there are lots of things in matthew 24 that have been occurring all throughout the last right. 2000 years right and just and to bring this up i know this is one of the things you did want to talk about um matthew 24 has a direct relevance for the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem right. in 70 AD. Right. I that that's how the conversation started. Yeah. The disciples asked, mm -hmm. you know, Ex when yes. will this happen? 
and when will right. the signs of the end happen? Yeah. And in their mind, they were connected. Uh, Jesus just answers without distinguishing yeah. that 70 AD is not going to be the end of the world. Right. And so he actually gives, um, he <clears throat> gives truths that apply to both. Right. Okay. Um, right. And that happens all throughout the, the Old Testament and prophetic literature. The prophet will give prophecies that had an initial fulfillment right. in their own day or shortly thereafter, but then they had another full fulfillment, usually at the end of the age, right. usually with the second right. coming of Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's giving them prophecies that have an initial relevance for 70 AD, destruction of the temple, yeah. but will have that a complete fulfillment. The reason why... The reason why I, I still believe that it can give us some signs of the end mm -hmm. and, I, and I hold on to that is because there are some things in Matthew 24 that didn't occur with the destruction of the temple and still have not occurred through all of yeah. the last 2000 years. And so I'll give two examples of okay. that. One is Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will go to all of the nations of the earth. Right and then the end will come. Right. That's a very clear timing indicator right. that has not happened yet. Right. And missy missiologists have been tracking that. You know, some will say things like uh, in the next 10 years, yeah. every because the, the word nation means people group right. in the Greek. And so that's why people track that. Right. Uh, they say, yeah, maybe in the next 10 years, every people group will finally right. hear the gospel. So like what you're saying is like, like essentially one of the things we'll know is that when every people group has been reached, mm -hmm. that that has to happen yes. in order for, before the end can come. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you think? So this is kind of off the cuff. Uh, I hate to put this on you, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> no, we're, we're riffing I, here, right? I love right? it. I love it. Paul. Paul makes a reference to, um, I think it's in Romans 3, uh, but it's early in the book of Romans where he, he essentially says that the heavens declare the glory of God, um, like that, that all men are without fault. Like essentially the gospel has been declared. I said the psalmist would actually say the heavens declare the glories of God. Mm -hmm. But Paul, I think he says something about um, in, in the first few chapters of Romans about, um, you know, all, all men it's been they're without fault they're without excuse that all have 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 known what they need to know to know god we should look that up yeah, so romans one romans, romans one. one okay yeah so do you know what i'm saying are you yeah. are you tracking with yes me? yes so so like i've always thought that that was an interesting part of this conversation because so like in one sense like what you're saying is that no we got we got more nations to get to with the the actual gospel proclamation whereas paul is talking about the the witness of creation okay which it's, it's a general witness because we can look that's what romans 1 is about is the the witnesses of creation and conscience okay um if you want to have three c's to be clever you could say <laughs> i the, do the witness of creation the witness of conscience that's romans 1 but then there's also the witness of canon yeah. Which is like the actual written gospel, which makes clear that we have a savior and his name is Jesus. Yeah. What Paul is talking about is that even those people who have not heard the gospel yet, they have some kind of witness to them and it's enough to condemn them. Yeah. They, because they can see the sun and the creation and they have this faint witness in their hearts and their conscience yeah. that tells them there is a, tr there is one true God. There is a creator. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's why Paul's saying that <clears throat> every single person has received that, even if they haven't heard the gospel, yeah. 
and we've all sinned yeah. still, is his point. Yeah, so, you're think, so you do think that when Jesus says that, he's saying, he's referring to the, the, the gospel in a canonical sense, yes. like the word of God going. Yes. So that's really cool because um, that's actually, Bible translation's near and dear to my heart. My, my cousin, uh, my dad's cousin, Wendell, worked for uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators his whole mm. career. Uh, I always think this is a cool testimony. He's just an a, um, airplane mechanic. And God used his skills as a mechanic to take the gospel all mm. over these unreached people groups. You know, it's pretty cool. Wow. You know what Wycliffe is all about. But Love that. Yeah. And I just want to say, too, that, that another thing that compels me about Jesus returning is that there is this intrinsic connection to, to mission. Yeah. And that, and that excites me. Yeah. You know, this is not yeah. about like finding the latest conspiracy theory on the internet right. and what the, the mark of the beast really is. Yeah. You know, this is about the gospel going to every last people group and then Jesus coming back in glory and power yeah. and setting up a kingdom on the earth forever. Yeah. And yeah. That, that is exhilarating. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. I mean, as it relates, we, you've been shaking your head, but like, I, I, I definitely think maybe it's post-COVID, you know, uh, trauma and stress, but I, I think, I think the world does feel acutely um, chaotic right now. I do know, like, I've paid attention, like you know, the the stats about mental health and anxiety show us that people are as worried as they've ever been, or as anxious as they've ever been. And what you're saying about mission, you know, in that in that passage that you're referencing, which is probably what verse 14 or something in there, um, you know. It's like this this concept of just like standing firm, like remaining calm yeah. in the midst of the storm. Yeah, it's like on. incredibly missional, you yeah. know. And and um, I'm really moved by that concept of man, like w what would the world look like if when things get crazy, godly people demonstrate by the testimony of their lives that there's something firm upon which we can stand, you know? Come on. And that's like incredibly missional, you know? Yeah. And, and I would just say like, even to the camera right now, like, you know, some people think that mm -hmm. you gotta be able to preach uh, in order to be a missionary. Some people think that you gotta have your words right. I don't know enough. So many people tell me like, I just don't even know. I don't even know how to yeah. pray. But man, your calmness in the midst of the storm can be such a testimony. And yeah. I think that that is what the world needs right now. Like yeah. the world really needs people who are calm because of the firmness of their foundation in Jesus. So That's even good, when man. the world around us is shaking and I'm excited to see how God will use people who don't think that they can be used just by that, you know, holding on to that firm foundation, the hope yeah. that we have. So, and I just want to say that that, that answers the question that we didn't answer before you had, you mm. had asked, why should we be reading these scriptures on the end times? Yeah. But one of the reasons is to put, iron in our souls mm -hmm. to because the the end time scriptures are very troubling yeah when you read them a lot of totally. times they do seem that's to, the other reason i don't like reading them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they do seem to focus on on hardship and catastrophes yeah and when we read them with the biblical lens that god is sovereign over it mm -hmm. and he's doing something beautiful in the midst of it then it prepares us for for whatever's coming yeah you know, I think that that kind of, your statement kind of propels us into this idea of like, well, how do we live in these times that feel like they could be the end of times? Well, we live ready. There's there's like urgency. Yeah. It seems like Jesus would want us to be ready, you know, to do our business with God, so to speak. That's like a good little Christian phrase. But, um, you know, for anyone out there, like who would be 
on the fence or even think like, I've got time to make peace with Jesus. I've got time mm. to make my decision to follow him. I think that there is like a sense of urgency that Jesus is wanting us to be ready. And so, um, man, if you're just like listening today and you're like on the fence about what to do with Jesus, like I would even suggest that maybe now if you feel a twinge in your heart, maybe the Holy Spirit is just drawing you in to make a decision today to live your life uh, for Jesus, to be ready when he comes uh, at the end of time, whenever yeah. that time actually is, I yeah. think we should be ready. Yeah, come on, that's good. Yeah. Well, hey, Glenn, um, I'm going to wrap us up now. I know hey. we could talk forever, man, but yeah. um, this has been a good start. I hope it's been helpful uh, for you guys watching, um, but it's just super fun to, to talk some shop with you, Glenn. Thanks for, you know, pushing on some of the things that I was asserting and, <laughs> and hopefully, you know, we were able to, you know, challenge each other's thoughts a little bit, but yeah. um, your gift to the church, man. Um, your gift to Radiant Church uh, where you serve and you've been a gift to Exeter Valley Church, man. So we love you and thanks cool. so much, dude. Yep. Thanks, Noel. Yeah, you got it.